Welcome to the Celebration Church Podcast. We are so glad you've joined us and we hope you are encouraged by today's message. We're so glad that you're with us. And uh, before I call Pastor Stephen up, and uh, man, I'm so excited for you guys to hear from Pastor Stephen tonight. Listen, it's going to be a powerful night. And, uh, and I want you to lean in. You're here. You've gotten through the traffic and the crowds, and you're here, and God is going to do something special in your life tonight. He really is. He really is. Um, I just First of all, I want to welcome uh, anyone and everyone from another church or, or pastors or people in the city. Come on, let's welcome them. We have so many great churches here, so many great churches in the Jacksonville area, or perhaps you're attending one of our other locations. We're just so glad that you're here, and uh, we welcome you. And uh, I want to say that if you are, have been participating in the 21-day fast, you know, the fast concludes this Sunday. How many of you are excited about eating this Sunday? How many of y'all find out you can smell a hamburger from about 10 miles away? You know what I'm talking about. <laughs> oh, man. But, but let me say, I, I know, you know, it's, it's revival nights, and it's just going to be so spectacular. But listen, I really want you to finish strong. And uh, I want you to, you know, come to the revival nights. But then Sunday is going to be real, real special. You know, we, we, we break the fast with communion. And it's a very, very sacred time for our church. And then we have water baptisms. You know, Daniel, he, uh, remember, he got his breakthrough on the 21st day. And what I've seen is it's something about that Sunday morning as, as we're together and we take communion and we just finish strong and we break the fast right. It's like God seals and does something really special in our hearts. So if you're on the fast, don't be eating Saturday night, all right? You, we, we go, don't, don't stop at 20 and a half days, okay? Come to church on Sunday and then you can go out and stuff yourself and get sick and... Uh, and, and maybe you'll suffer through the Super Bowl. I'm not going to watch it. I can't watch the Patriots. After two weeks ago, I'm not watching. I am boycotting the Super Bowl because the Jags should have won that game. All right, all right. All right, hold on, hold on. We got to get the Holy Spirit back. We got to get the Holy Spirit back. Like Clay up here talking about South Carolina, the Holy Spirit was out of here. We had to get him back. Right. I told y'all we don't talk about football at Celebration unless LSU or the Jags win, and then we talk about it, all right? But after that, we don't talk about it. All right. Well, listen, tonight, you know, we, we have a, a really special guest with us, and I know many of you might not be familiar with him. He, he has a really small church some, <laughs> somewhere in the hills in North Carolina, and He's got like an AM radio ministry. And uh, no, you know, the thing, about, the thing about Pastor Stephen and Holly, and we're so glad they're here, and along with Chunks and Mrs. Chunks, I don't mean to call you Mrs. Chunks. It's just, it's just your husband's nickname is just so catching. And you're not a Chunks. You're like buff. You're, but it, so that's why it works with you. If you were really Chunks, we couldn't talk, call you Chunks. But, uh, <laughs> but listen... Man, Pastor Stephen, I've had the privilege, we're carrying our dear friends with he and Holly, and I've had the privilege of serving on he and Elevation's board for many years, and they just have such a hot heart for God, so sincere, just so much integrity, and it's just amazing, isn't it, how God is using him in this generation all, all around the world. So you guys know him, you love him, he's a dear friend of Celebration, so I'm going to get him, stop speaking and get him up here right now. So come on, I want you to welcome up, come on. Give it up for Pastor Stephen Furtick. Get ready. God bless you. Hey, don't sit down. Don't sit down. Don't sit down. Just look at the person next to you and say, I went through a lot to be here tonight. Come on. Look at them again. Look at them again. If you didn't like them, look at the other neighbor. You have options. 
Look at them and say, I went through a lot to be here tonight. I fasted for this. I prayed for this. I wonder, can you look at them and say, this is my Super Bowl. So tell them, tell them, look, tell them, look. If you didn't come to give God praise, let me know right now so I can move. I wish you would high-five 18 people on every location. Tell them, don't kill my vibe. This is revival. Don't kill my vibe. God bless you, church. God bless all you beautiful people in the back, in the overflow. Orange Park, isn't that a campus? Orange Park, isn't that a thing? Amen. Been looking forward to being with you tonight. I know you want to sit down. I guess you should. I think you should. I think you should go ahead and sit down and we should get ready. Thank you. That's kind. I, 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 feel, I feel the love in this place. This is a, uh, it's an incredible church, man. And Pastor Stovall's integrity, you don't really need me to tell you this, but it, it was weird tonight because uh, I walked in and it was a little room they took me back in. He had an ice cream sundae. <laughs> what if he did, though? <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. I don't think I've ever been with him when he was eating. Every time we're together, he watches me eat. And, uh, but, but much love to, to all of you. And uh, we were in D.C., as I think they mentioned last night, uh, sharing in ministry. And I don't mean to make this a competition, but they were, they were wild in D.C. And, um, again, it's not a competition who loves Jesus the most. But I'm just saying, it was really good in D.C. last night. And I just want to know, what does it look like when Celebration Church launches a revival? It's going to be, it's going to be a great three nights. And uh, I'm sorry you couldn't get tickets to John Gray. You're stuck with me uh, tonight. <laughs> Praise the Lord. Pastor Carrie, we love you so much, and I know that, uh, that if Holly grabbed the mic, she would share with the whole church the impact that your books and ministry have had on our staff and uh, so many of the women in our church. So thank you for your labor of love. What if I preached a little bit now? What if I went to the very first book of the Bible, the book of Genesis, the 28th chapter, and preached a little while tonight? What if I preached like we had nowhere better to be but in the presence of God tonight? I want to take something tonight that is very simple on the surface, uh, but I believe will have layers of meaning that are particular and personal to each one of us. And uh, it starts in Genesis 28, verse 10. And uh, I'd like to read a little bit more scripture than I normally would because these are people out here tonight who aren't trying to get to lunch or aren't trying to, you know, just check church off the list. I feel like uh, being in the presence of mature people, um, sometimes the, the message can take on a character that has a lot of weight to it. And so as I was uh, seeking what I should share for my part in this opening night of Awakening Revival, by the way, I might be the most invited back guest of Awakening Revival history. I haven't, I haven't heard that officially. But I'm up there, top 10. <laughs> and uh, being in this atmosphere, you just look forward to it because you know you're not going to have to entertain people or kind of play around. Uh, you know that who's here wants to be here. And uh, that desire attracts God. 
in a tangible way, and uh, real deep transformation can happen. So I've just been sensing uh, that tonight God is going to single you out, and uh, the whole crowd's going to disappear. And there are just going to be moments when what's coming out of my mouth is, is too intimate for me to be saying it, and that's when you're going to know it's the Holy Spirit speaking. Uh, I don't have cameras in your house, and so the things I say tonight will not be from a surveillance system, but it will be by the Spirit of God. And when it happens tonight, I want to encourage you, don't play it off. Um, because he's going to remind you of some things tonight that you've been trying to forget. Um, because there, there's a sense in which holding on to a promise from God can become painful. And uh, yet there is a, a, a type of faith that resurrects the promises of God. Uh, like that little boy that died in the book of 2 Kings. And the woman took the little boy that God gave her and laid it back on the bed of the prophet because when you have a promise from God, you are not responsible for the outcome. You're only responsible for your obedience for each step along the path. And so uh, let me read this scripture for, for a starting place. Uh, the Bible says in Genesis 28 verse 10, Jacob left Beersheba and set out for Haran. And when he reached a certain place, he stopped for the night because the sun had set. And taking one of the stones there, he put it under his head and lay down to sleep. He had a dream in which he saw a stairway resting on the earth with its top reaching to heaven. And the angels of God were ascending and descending on it. There above it stood the Lord. There above it stood the Lord. So whatever is going on on earth, I have the confidence to know that he's standing above it, that he orchestrates the plans and the purposes in his heart to be manifest in the earth according to his appointed time, and he will not stop until... That's not in the verse. I'm just saying some stuff that's coming to my heart while I'm reading it because I want you to know God's above it. Touch somebody say he's above it. That's why I don't have to get ulcers. That's why I don't have to have panic attacks. That's why I don't have to be able to calculate and figure out how it's going to work out because it's already done. As it is in heaven, so it shall be done on the earth. His kingdom is coming. His will is going to be done in my life. I don't always know how. I don't always know when. I don't always understand why or what. But one thing I know, he's above it. He's above who's in office. He's above what they said about me. He's above what my boss thinks about me. Y'all better stop and let me read my scripture. He's above it. There above it stood the Lord. And he said, I am the Lord, the God of your father, Abraham, and the God of Isaac. I will give you and your descendants the land on which you are lying. And your descendants will be like the dust of the earth. And you will spread out to the west and to the east, to the north and to the south, and to Orlando and to D.C. and to Paris. Y'all better have some faith in here. This is Celebration Church. This is Revival Night One. We came to let the devil know we cannot be contained. We are the church of the living God. This is our banner year. It's time for what was held up to be released. Release a praise right now like you believe. All peoples on earth will be blessed through you. It's not just about what God wants to do for you. But he wants to do something through you that your imagination cannot contain. And I am with you and will watch over you wherever you go. And I will bring you back to this land. I will not leave you until I have done what I have promised you. And when Jacob awoke from his sleep, he thought, surely the Lord is in this place. And I was not aware of it. He was afraid and said, how awesome is this place? This is none other than the house of God. This is the gate of heaven. Now, early the next morning, Jacob took the stone 
I thought about stopping there because that would have been a good place to stop. But this verse, this verse was begging to be preached. It was like, pick me, pick me, end on me. I'll make an excellent last verse for you to read. Early the next morning, Jacob took the stone he had placed under his head and set it up as a pillar and poured oil on top of it. One more verse. He called that place Bethel, though the city used to be called Luz. Let's hit it again. Verse 18 says, early the next morning, Jacob took the stone he had placed under his head and set it up as a pillar and poured oil on top of it. I want to preach to you tonight about the pillow and the promise. So, um, real quick before we get into anything too deep, um, anybody planning on getting married soon in the room? And there's another human being who is aware of your plan. I don't mean like the Lord showed you in the spirit. I mean like there's an actual <laughs> arrangement. So, you know, I know you bought a ticket and everything, so I, I thought I would throw in a little premarital seminar uh, for you. If you do plan on getting married, it's just a thing you can do. You can have conversations before you get married that will alleviate some of the conflict that will come in marriage if you don't have the conversation before you get married. And so you can ask things and get to know each other. And that way you set expectations and you're not on one page and she's on another. So you, you might ask something like this, like, uh, well, how many kids do you want to have? And then you can know, like, are you up for, for, for this? And, and actually a better thing to do might be after you get married, have one and see if you're good at it. Be, because you might get one and discover that's your maximum capacity. <laughs> so, you know, it, you sample the thing before you go buying in bulk. Haven't you been to Costco? Anyway, you might, you might ask that. Uh, oh, here's another one. How many years do you want to wait before we have kids so that we can just, you know, enjoy our lives together for a little while Something happened a little off schedule over there. When, uh, when Holly started wanting a kid, I, I bought her a chihuahua. It bought me 18 months. You can buy a little extra time of freedom before you become an Uber driver just if you, um, if you plan it out. The, the one, though, that I never thought to ask and I didn't know to ask and you wouldn't know to ask unless you're married, and all the married men are going to understand that, of course, you should ask this, but you don't know to ask it ahead of time. Give me my... um. Bring this over here. Uh, one question you should ask that they won't tell you to ask. How many... <laughs> the security brother just got saved down here. How, how many... How many of these are we going to put on my bed that I'm not allowed to sleep on how many of these am I going to be required to remove each night as a part of my ritual? Eight. I have eight. But we can't sleep on them. These pillows are not for the purpose of sleeping. They are decorative. And they must be arranged in a certain configuration. You can't just put them in any call. Shut up. I can't lie to you. I've been married over 15 years now, and I'm kind of into it. I am. It's, it's like Tetris. Did you ever play Tetris? Everything goes just so. You can't just put them anywhere. She taught me how to karate chop certain pillows. I don't know why, but I do it. But sometimes when she leaves town, don't tell her. But I don't take them off the bed. I sleep right on top of them because I'm the man. I
not supposed to sleep on a pillow. Uh, awkward segue. Jacob. Watch this. I promise I'm going to pull it off. Jacob is sleeping on something that he's not supposed to be sleeping on. He's, he's laying down on a rock. I thought about calling this message between a rock and a hard place. Because Jacob is not only laying his head on something that was not intended to be a pillow, but he's laying in a place that he never expected to be, a place that he does not even know the name of. And so there are two places primarily that God likes to bless you and show up and reveal himself in your life. It's called God's TNT. It's where the power of God shows up in the greatest way in your life. It's uh, trouble and transition. TNT. That's where the power of God is the most evident. And I know you wouldn't shout on that because it's not the kind of thing that we want to hear. We want God to show up in Hawaii. We want God to show up <laughs> in pleasurable circumstances. But um, now for Jacob, this is a place of his own making. But this uncertain place is not his destination. I thought it was significant if we can just roll with the text because I know that the tech team here is second to none. When it said in verse 11, when he reached a certain place, he stopped for the night. I wanted to point out to you that he was not yet where he was going. And the reason I wanted to point that out is because often we have our own ideal of where God will bless us. And we have our own concept of arrival of what it would look like to be blessed by God or what it would take from us to be blessed by God. The reason I love Jacob as a character in the Bible, and I asked my wife and the team that's with me, uh, Mrs. Chunks and Chunks, as they are affectionately referred to at Celebration <laughs> Church, that uh, I said, why do you think I like to preach about Jacob so much? I did a whole uh, series on him one time years ago, and I preached on him five weeks and didn't even really get started good, but had to quit. I said, why? And somebody volunteered uh, that it's because he's so screwed up and it makes no sense that God would choose him. Now, I don't know what they were implying about me, <laughs> saying that I like to preach about Jacob because there is no human factor that I can discern on the surface that aligns with the type of character and qualification by which we would readily associate the usefulness of a servant to God. And yet, if you would read just one book over in your Bible sometime while you're fasting, you know, because you've got nothing else to do for these 21 days, you might as well read something in the Bible. Uh, you can't eat anything, so you should just go over to Exodus and read. Uh, re read where God calls himself uh, to Moses. He calls himself, I am the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob. When we survey Jacob's life, we find a man who was very manipulative. As a matter of fact, the reason that he's laying down in the middle of this place that I told you about with a rock as his pillow is because he has just deceived his brother Esau, not only by taking his birthright some years earlier, but now he has stolen a blessing from his father Isaac. Now here's the thing about a stolen blessing because when you pretend to be something that you're not to get a blessing, it might work in front of people, but you are stuck with yourself. So when Jacob pretended to be Esau to get the blessing, he got the blessing from his father, but in the process of getting the blessing from others, you can lose a sense of yourself. I don't mean to talk about your Facebook wall or your Instagram feed, but we live in an age where it is so easy to try to create a persona to receive validation and acceptance that before long we are swimming in streams of human approval and opinions, and we are snapping to everybody, but we are becoming more and more insecure because the more that we force an image on the world that is not consistent with how we see ourselves in the light of how God sees us, the more fraudulent we feel and we find ourselves running and running and running and running and running 
And we can change places and change jobs and change boyfriends and change sexual partners and change positions and even change cities. But wherever you go, guess who will be waiting on you when you arrive? You, you will have to at some point face what is within yourself. But I was encouraged because now Jacob is 60 miles from Beersheba. 550 miles to go to the home of Laban in Padanaram where provision has been made. He's going to be safe there. But God, oh, I love it. It's for somebody in the back section. I can feel it. God doesn't wait for him to get where he's going to reveal to him the promise that will accompany him every step of the way. God does not wait for you to arrive in a place called there. I know you might have heard religious talk that there are certain behavior modifications that you must make to make you acceptable to God. What changes all of that is one fact. It is not the fact that I got my act together. It is not the fact that I'm better than my neighbor. It is not the fact that I broke my bad habits. It's the fact that Emmanuel came down. And when Emmanuel came down, born of a virgin, it let me know that God is not only with me when I get there, he's with me on the way. I'm speaking this to somebody tonight who is in transition. You are not where you want to be. You are not where you should be. And as a matter of fact, you've made some mistakes along the way. And the devil has been telling you that it's over for you because of what you did or what you didn't do or what you should have done. But I came to declare tonight what Proverbs 19:21 says. Many are the plans in a man's heart, but it is the Lord's purpose that prevails. Somebody shout purpose. 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 This passage is about purpose. God is revealing to Jacob that my purpose for you was confirmed before you were born. Before you made the mistake, I already manipulated your next step to make sure that even your mistakes become the seed of miracles. I should stay here for a minute because sometimes the accuser, the spirit of condemnation takes over our perspective and we become convinced that something that we did disqualified us and that now where we are, God cannot locate us or it's too late for us now. And if we would have known, then we would have done it differently. But here I am. And the Bible says that the purpose of God tracked Jacob down and met him in the middle of nowhere. So if that's you tonight and you are in an emotional wilderness or a financial wilderness or a relational wilderness or a spiritual wilderness, I want to let you know that the purpose of God will track you down and meet you not where you're supposed to be or where you should have been, but the scripture says in Romans chapter 8 that those he foreknew, he also predestined. What does that mean? It means that God, who knows everything, already made up his mind about your life before you did what you think cannot be undone by his grace. It means that there is no regret that is beyond redemption. If God could track Jacob down in the middle of a place called lust, why can't he meet you in this place tonight? It's, it's the purpose of the Lord that prevails. It is the purpose of the Lord that when Jonah ran and wanted to go all the way to Tarshish 
He got intercepted by a fish. Did y'all go to Sunday school? Did you go to vacation Bible school? God said, if you won't go on a boat, I'll swallow you up and put you in an alternative means of transportation. I'm going to call you an Uber whale, and I'm going to pick you up and spit you out in the place of your assignment. You can't outrun this. I made you. I called you. I formed you. I gave my life for you. And the purpose of God is unstoppable. He made up his mind, and he won't change it. I'm sorry, you can run 550 more miles, but he will meet you at every step along the way. It is the purpose of the Lord that prevails. It's good to know. Yet, yet there, there is a sense, because if we, if we look at it another way, Jacob is... In the middle of nowhere, Ooh, one time I preached this to my church, and I was using it as an illustration where I took the word nowhere. And then I preached for a little while, and then I talked about what happens when God shows up in the middle of nowhere. And then what I did there, and I can't do it tonight because I don't have any letters to do it with, but I moved the letters, and then it, it didn't say nowhere. It said now here. Somebody say it. Now, here. Now, here. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, God is with me in this moment. God is with me along the way. God is not waiting for me to arrive. As a matter of fact, this is the day the Lord has made. I will rejoice and be glad in it. I will not be stuck in what was, and I will not live in a paralyzing, crippling anxiety of what might be tomorrow. What I'm going to do is apply all of my energy and all of my focus to these dry bones in this valley and declare the word of the Lord, God is here now. Somebody shout now. Now faith is the substance of things hoped for and the evidence of things not seen. You know what happened when Jesus showed up at Lazarus' funeral? He messed the whole thing up, all because the woman said one thing. If you had been here, my brother wouldn't have died. But even now, even after we've wrapped him up, even after we've given up all hope, even now, if you speak the word, you are the resurrection. That's why he didn't say the great I was or the great I will be. The great I am, the God of Abraham and Isaac and Jacob. And now Jacob is in a place where he really should have been because if he wouldn't have tricked his brother, he wouldn't have had to run because he got a blessing, but he had to run from it because if you don't get it God's way, you won't be able to enjoy it. You can get what you want and then not want what you got. He's still a long way from his destination. So God meets him on the detour. Did you know God will meet you on the detour? I'm going to blow your theology up right now, and I won't be invited back, so let's enjoy this 2018 Awakening Revival, because I don't know if I'll be back to Jacksonville after this. It's good for you to follow Jesus. Can we agree on that? We're good so far? Okay. Let me try one, one level up. But if you don't, he will follow you. It, it, it. <laughs> I don't know. I only, I only planned to mention this point. This was just a little point. But now I feel like I'm coming after somebody and I can't stop. I feel like the Holy Ghost is saying, get him, 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 get him. Here he comes, here he comes, here he comes, here he comes. It's Resurrection Sunday. Jesus is risen from the dead. He only has a short time to appear and present himself resurrected. And so what does he do? Does he call a press conference at the Celebration Arena to present himself to the city of Jacksonville? What, what, does, he, what does he do? Does he launch a social media campaign? Does he get Zuck involved? Want to take over, want to take over the internet for a little while? What does he do? He, he, he tracks down two travelers who are going from Jerusalem to a village called Emmaus and the son of God on the day he got up from the grave follows two people away from Jerusalem he followed them in the wrong direction 
He followed Jacob. Now, Jacob, Jacob got himself into this mess because I always heard that, that God would get me through a storm if the devil started it. But what if it wasn't the devil? What if it was, here's another D word. It's not devil. What if it was my decisions? I'm trying, God. I'm trying to preach it right now. I think they forgot his revival. They're, 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 they're fading. He, he, he's in this place, and the sun begins to set. So he can't go any further because he doesn't, he doesn't know the way. He has not been this way before. He is in an uncertain place, and it is the result of his own decisions, and now he is feeling the consequences of them. So he finds the closest thing he can use for a pillow, which isn't very comfortable. And he says, well, this I have to do. And he lays down. Now, he's 77 years old by this point in his life. So this is a very uncomfortable situation. And while he's laying there, God uses his most uncomfortable situation to give him his greatest revelation. Don't stop shouting just because I'm laying down. I'm still preaching. It is in the place of his uncertainty, in the, in the, in the place of his, his own manipulation. And God has to do something. God has to do something for Jacob. He has to show him something while he is asleep that he cannot see while he is awake. As long as Jacob is awake, he's taking matters into his own hands. As long as he is awake, he is trying to, to move people and events around like the world is his chessboard. But when he goes to sleep, God puts him to sleep. And when he sleeps, God shows him what he cannot see with his eyes open. And he's laying there. And he has a dream. And the brightest colors fill his head. And a million dreams are keeping him awake. Y'all didn't see The Greatest Showman? Okay. Three of y'all. He sees a stairway to heaven. Jimmy Page is there and Robert Plant. Three of y'all. I'm trying to hit every demographic tonight, you know. He's laying there, and he sees something in his sleep. He sees a staircase. It's a portal from the earth realm to the heaven realm. And this is a, a common image in ancient Mesopotamian culture, only it's a little different. Because when they would paint this image of their gods, there would be angels going from the top of the stairs... To the bottom of the stairs but when Jacob lays down and puts his head on that rock he sees the the angels or the messengers of God ascending and descending why do I point it out because sometimes we are waiting for God to release something from heaven to earth we're waiting for it to come down but what Jacob sees is that often what God does in heaven is a response to what we do on earth. So if you want a breakthrough in your life tonight, maybe you should release a praise from earth that will ascend to heaven. And if you send up a praise from earth to heaven, from a sincere heart, from a grateful place, and forget about yourself, and forget about your struggle and your trouble and your pain for a minute and just take 18 seconds right now to release a praise from your soul. Bless the Lord, oh my soul, and all that is within me. I will bless the Lord. And when the praises go up, the blessings come down.
Come on, send it up. Send it up. Send it up. Sit down because he sees something. He sees something. He sees something. The, the Bible says that when he woke up, okay, he, he sees that God was working behind the scenes. He sees that God is always working. And, and, and while you are up awake worrying, God is already working out what you're worried about. While you are trying to make it happen, God is already behind the scenes according to his purpose. All things work together for the good of those who love the Lord. Does anybody love him? Do you love him? I mean, do you really love him more than you love the world? And are called according to his purpose. His purpose. And he wakes up and he goes, whoa. How awesome is this? Now, the Bible doesn't say that God showed up. It says that Jacob woke up. He was there all along. You just didn't see it. Because you were so busy trying to be God and control situations that you could not see God and Jacob wakes up. Jacob wakes up. Jacob was woke. <laughs> he was. He wakes up. He says, oh, how awesome is this place? This is the gate of heaven. This is the house of God. This is awesome. This is lit. That's what Moses said at the burning bush. I got so much material like that. If you enjoyed that, I, I got it. I, I put it online every week. That's some A-plus grade preacher humor. You're not going to get that in just any pulpit. That's why they fly me down here from Charlotte, North Carolina. That stuff right there. John Gray ain't going to get down on the floor like this for you. I promise you that. He said, this is, this is the house of God. People, people, let's don't lose sight of the context just because we got excited in the moment. He's pointing at a rock. And he says, this is awesome. Now, it wasn't because it felt good. I guarantee you when he woke up, his neck did not feel good. It wasn't because it felt good. It wasn't because it was comfortable, and it wasn't because it was a diamond rock that he could pawn and get some money for his next meal. He said it was awesome because of what God revealed to him there. And he says, this is awesome. This is the gate of heaven. This is the house of God, Bethel. He gave it a name. He just made up a name for the place. He didn't even ask anybody around, hey, what do you call this place? He just decided to call it according to what he experienced. Did you know God has given you the same power? Did you know that you can look at situations in your life that are named Luz and call them Bethel? I'll prove it to you. There's somebody in this room that has been through more than you've been through. But while you are feeling sorry for yourself about what you lost, if you could talk to them, they would not talk about their trial. They would call it a triumph. They would call it a testimony. They would say that was the place. Somebody shout, this is the place. This is the place. Jacob said, this is the house of God, Bethel. Uh, Beth house, El God, like Beth, Bethlehem, Beth, Beth uh, house, Bethlehem, house of bread, El Elyon, El Shaddai, uh, 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 El God, El, this is God's house. And he's pointing at a rock. This is God's house. He's so excited. 
This is awesome. This is God's house. And he's in the middle of nowhere, 550 miles from where he's going. And he says, God lives here. I think he kind of missed the point. Because if you back up, just two verses. In verse 15, God didn't say, I'll be with you in this place. Put it on the screen. Good people, focus your attention on the 735-foot screen jumbotron behind me. <laughs> or whatever you got at your campus or in the overflow. I am with you, and we'll watch over you. Shout the next word. No, shout it with some attitude. So on the job, does that count? See, because we will not have had a successful revival if it stops on Sunday and you leave it in the building. I love this building, but I didn't come to preach tonight because this is a nice building. I didn't come to preach tonight because this is a nice building. I came to preach tonight because you brought something that turned this building into a church. I need you to understand that you did not come to Celebration Church tonight. Celebration Church came to the building, and church wasn't here until you showed up. So before you got here, help me preach this. It was just some really expensive square footage. But when you started clapping your hands and giving God glory, when you started lifting your hands and worshiping him in the beauty of holiness, when you started forgetting about yourself and putting Jesus on the throne, I am the church. Watch this. We are revival. We didn't come to have a revival. We came to be one. Shout if you got it. Touch your neighbor and say, I'm getting this to go. This is too good for me to leave here in this auditorium. I'm taking this with me. And what Jacob didn't know, can I preach just a little bit like I'm at home? Because if I'm at home right now, we're about to have church when we realize that every place you set your foot, every place you declare his praise, every place you lift your eyes to the hills from which cometh your help. Somebody shout, this is the place. This is the gate. This is the gate. Oh, I'm getting, I'm getting so happy. I'm thinking about you pointing at stuff this, this, this coming week. And you don't see it the same way anymore. Because you've been saying that it was the enemy. But I read that thing in Matthew that said that uh, upon this rock, I will build my church. And the gates of hell will not prevail Somebody shout, this is the gate. This is the gate. When I enter his gates with thanksgiving and his courts with praise. It was a rock. And he said, this is the gate of heaven. And it was because he called it that. See, the power of faith is to point at something that looks common. And to point at something that looks uncomfortable and to give it a purpose. God gives you a purpose that predates your birth and goes beyond your mistakes, but he gives you the power to give a purpose to everything you go through. And every stumbling block that the enemy put in your way to try to trip up your faith and crush your spirit and break your heart and remove your dream from your visibility. I want you to point at every stumbling block and call it a stepping stone. Somebody shout, this is the gate. This is the gate. 
this year, this season, I'm not waiting for my relationship status to change to rejoice and feel significant. I do not need a person to complete me. There is one within me. This is the game. You, you know those annoying people you work with? When you see them next week, woo, do you have to go to work tomorrow? When you see them tomorrow, I'll be sleeping in. But while you go to work, I want you to smile at them. You know, we all have them and we walk around them and we avoid them because they trip us up. But when you see it, you know, you know, the, you know the people I'm talking about. When you see him this week, when, when Nate comes walking, you know Nate with bad breath takes all the credit. Nate, you know Nate? When you see him tomorrow morning, I want you to smile at Nate the gate. Just wave at Nate because watch this. God is going to bless you through the people who drive you crazy. So here's what you do. <laughs> if you dare, wave it on through. The next time you see a trial, start waving. This gate is motion activated. So wave at Nate and tell the Lord, I've been waiting. Nate the gate. Hey, Nate, I've been praying for patience and God is gonna use you as the gate I get it through. So back it up, Nate. Beep, 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 beep. Bring it on through. I shouldn't tell this story. This story is so ancient. I should have retired. Holly won't like me telling you this story. But they said there was a God did it board out there or something. A God did it. Do you have a God did it? God did it board where you write a testimony or something like that. Listen, you keep giving the, the devil credit for stuff God is trying to do. You keep complaining about the way God made you. You think that your weakness is a limitation. When really in the hands of God, your weakness is a secret weapon. And the light and momentary afflictions are not even worthy to be compared with the glory that will be revealed in us. But the glory comes through the affliction. Or if we could use Jacob's staircase, the pain is the portal to the power. Somebody say, God did it. God did. That's what that lady said. She was, stood up to testify. She said, God did it. God did it. I was down to my last little bit in my bank account, and I was so broke that I didn't know where my next meal would come from. And so I, I prayed and asked God to provide, and when I went home, I, uh, I opened my refrigerator, and it had been empty before I left for, for church. And when I opened it, it was still empty. took a little left turn on you there. <laughs> but she said she just started walking around her yard, uh, and she just felt like she needed to stay in faith, so she just started walking around her yard singing, I got a feeling everything's going to be all right. I sound just like Tasha Cobbs, don't I? <laughs> oh, I got a feeling everything's going to be all right. I Got a feeling. Love it. Everything's gonna be all right. Be all right. Be all right. I wish Jesus would have still been on the keyboard back there. He could have helped me. Be all right. She said that her neighbor. Her neighbor heard her singing that, and he was an atheist, and he, he didn't really very much appreciate her faith, so he, he had an idea. He went and bought uh, a bunch of groceries, <laughs> put them on her doorstep, and knocked on the door and ran and hid in his bushes to watch her reaction. And when she saw the groceries, she got happy, and she started uh, at the top of her voice. She just started rejoicing. God did it. That's what made me think of it. She said, God did it. God did it. God did it. 
And she said this for, for quite a little while, but finally the atheist neighbor, he had all he could take and he, uh, he popped out from behind the bushes. And he said, no, he did it. There's no such thing as God. I bought the groceries. And she looked at him again and said, God did it. God did it. God, you heard the story before? God did it. God did it. It's a great story. Because the man then said, no, God didn't do it. I bought the groceries. Here's the receipt. And she looked back at the man and said, God did it. And he made the devil pay for it. So... All I'm trying to say, come on now, is this revival? Is this the gate? Is the Lord in this place? This is the gate, and this is the gate, and this is the gate. And I'm glad they broke up with me because God was making space for something better. This is the gate. Here a gate, there a gate, everywhere a gate. God did not save Jacob. Hey, don't leave. I, I'm, 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 I, hadn't even, I hadn't even given you the best part yet. So don't leave this arena right now. I promise you, you get a flat tire in the parking lot if you leave this arena right now. Your whole transmission will blow up. Somebody shout, this is the gate. I know, bro, I know. I know. Sit down, I want to show you one more thing. I'll show, can I show you one more thing? I won't be back till next year. I will tell you everything I know about God in one night. When he, when he laid down, somebody say it again, this is the game. Because you continue to think that it's going to be one day when. When you're stronger, when you're better, when you no longer struggle with, but this is the game. And he is sleeping. Jacob is sleeping on something that he's not supposed to be sleeping on. <laughs> How awesome is this? Yeah, this is the gate. One time I read about where Jesus was um, Jesus was sleeping one time in something that he wasn't supposed to be sleeping in. Because the Bible records it in Mark 4. I want to show it to you. In verse 35, it says that when evening came, it was evening for Jacob when he laid down in a place called Luz and renamed it Bethel, the house of God. Somebody said, this is the gate. Some of God's best work happens when the lights go out in the darkness, not in the certainty, not in comfort. But when evening came, he said to his disciples, let us go over to the other side. Next verse, leaving the crowd behind, they took him along just as he was in the boat. There are also other boats with him. Next verse, a furious squall or a storm came up and the waves broke over the boat so that it was nearly swamped. Jesus was in the stern, sleeping on a cushion. Jesus Christ, the Son of God, the Savior of the world, fully God, fully man, finds a pillow. And while he's snoring, the disciples are panicking, stressed out, boat is nearly swamped and when they woke him we, we we see their lack of faith based on their perspective and their interpretation of the situation they said to him teacher don't you care if we drown now, their conclusion was he's not doing anything he must not care and so Jesus responds to their unbelief gets up rebukes the wind and says to the waves what you need to say to some of the thoughts that have been tormenting you. Quiet, be still. I, 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 I see you speaking to some of the 
the turbulence in your soul tonight some of the accusations some of the things that have been raging through your mind and over these next three days God is going to put some of your doubts to sleep in this awakening revival now when he got up and rebuked the wind and the waves and said shut up be still you're disturbing my rim cycle then the wind and the waves died down and it was completely calm and he said to his disciples why are you so afraid do you still have no faith notice that Jacob and the disciples both had a response of fear because fear is often the gateway to greater faith usually it is when you are in a situation that you do not feel qualified for that you realize how much you really need God and you can't do it on your own and that's why he puts you in these uncomfortable situations so that you will learn to depend on him they were terrified and they asked each other who is this I thought you knew it took a storm for them to see him as he really was and they saw his jurisdiction over the wind and the waves but their conclusion was wrong you ask yourself the question how could Jesus sleep in the middle of a storm really the answer to that is in the very first verse that I gave you go back to verse 35 it's what he told them before the storm started that day when evening came he said to his disciples, let us go over to the other side. This is Mark chapter 4. Jesus has an assignment in Mark chapter 5. There is a demon-possessed man that Jesus intends to heal in the land of the Gerasenes. This man will become a witness to the Decapolis, the surrounding region. So Jesus knows something that I want you to know beyond the shadow of a doubt tonight I can't die in Mark chapter 4 because I have an assignment in Mark chapter 5 I can't die in this storm because I've got a purpose on the other side I came tonight to declare to you that the devil can't kill you in this storm because God has something in store for you on the other side and I want you to shout right now by faith I'm gonna make it to the other side this is the game when you've got a promise from God let me show you what to do sleep on it If he told you that he would never leave you nor forsake you and that there is therefore now no condemnation to those who are in Christ Jesus, let me show you what to do in the middle of your storm, in the middle of your test, in the middle of wondering how it's going to work out. Lay your head on the promise of God and enter into his rest and sleep on it. My promise is my pillow. He did not send me into the storm to destroy me. I felt instructed tonight to pray for those of you who are in trouble, transition, and uncertainty. Jacob pointed at the rock, the rock became a pillow. Then he took the pillow and he made the pillow a pillar and he said, this place. I, I just want to pray for you tonight about this place, this place, this place, this place. For the parent with a child on drugs. For the addict who really can't make it through the day without having to wrestle with something that you carry with you everywhere you go and it controls you. And you're so ashamed and you don't even really feel like you should be here. To those of you who are very successful financially and maybe even have very impressive standing in front of people but you know that there are parts of yourself that that you've been hiding and now god is appearing to you in this moment 
on this very first night of awakening revival. And Jacob woke up and said, surely the Lord is in this place. And the promise of God still stands over your life, sir. Still stands over your life, ma'am. It didn't get canceled. He didn't change his mind. Many are the plans of a man's heart, but it is the Lord's purpose that prevails. You can sleep on that. See, you need to rest in faith because you're going to need all of your energy to fight the real battle. To fight the real battle. When you get to the other side, you're going to need all your strength. So Hebrews 4.1 says, Therefore, since this promise of entering his rest still stands let us take heed so that none of us fall short of it I just want to pray about the wind and the waves and the rocks and the slips and the mistakes that you have made that the enemy has been using to try to convince you that the purpose of God for your life has somehow been interrupted because you strayed off the path but I believe that the Lord is restoring a sense of purpose and a reminder of the promises that he has made you and if he made you the promise it's already done. I know it's strange. I really do. I know it's strange because it's called awakening, but I'm telling you to sleep. I, I know. Mixed messages. But it's what Jacob saw when he went to sleep from his own effort that enabled him to awake and see the grace of God at work in his life. So God is already working. He's already working. He's already working out the situation that you can't stop thinking about. He's already working. He works all things together for the good of those who love him and are called according to his purpose. And if that's you and you want to see God in that way tonight for who he really is, why don't you close your eyes, lift your hands. Close your eyes, lift your hands. We thank you for your promises, God, that are yes and amen to the glory of God. We thank you that no power of hell or scheme of man can interrupt or intercept what you intend to be done in and through our lives. Thank you for the thousands that have gathered tonight, but I'm praying right now for the one. The one that the enemy has convinced. You're too far gone now. You're in a place called lust, but we declare this is the gate. This is the gate. In this moment, God, chains are breaking. In this moment, eyes are being opened in this moment hearts are being healed for your promise God still stands thank you for tuning in to today's podcast for more information about Celebration Church or to get in touch with us please visit celebration.org